Well, hello, hello. Welcome to Orchid Bloom's podcast. Welcome back, bloomers. My name is Orchid Brown. You can find me on social media, such as Instagram and TikTok at Orchid Eye Brown. Now, I have had a busy, busy week. Coming off of a two months of rest, or at least a, a month and and three weeks, I have to say that February hit hard. I mean hard. You had Black History Month. This is Black History Month. It's almost over. And I decided to challenge myself by learning uh, a few things. So some of the episodes that I released, you know, this month is something that I was thinking about for a good year. And I figured, you know what, the best time to release these episodes would be Black History Month. Now, this is the last week of Black History Month. And I definitely wanted this last episode of the month of February to end on a good note. For Black History Month, so I wanted to take this opportunity to thank you all for the support. We'll start with that before I continue. I just celebrated my birthday this past weekend, and it has been pretty busy since. Actually, starting last week. Um, the episode that I was actually going to come out with this week was going to be about tokens, but I decided to kind of push that till next week. Just kind of giving myself some time to to really think about how I wanted to end Black History Month uh, with this podcast episode. But before I get to the topic, I do want to thank everyone that listens to my podcast episode that takes the time to download, follow, or subscribe. Because of you all and your support, I hit 1,000 downloads on my podcast. So I really wanted to tell you all how much I appreciate all that you have done and for supporting me. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you for spreading the word. If you have been, thank you for taking the time to download it. Everything. I truly appreciate it. And it's such a wonderful accomplishment for me because 1,000 downloads um, milestone is a big deal. You know, I started this podcast last year under a different name, and then I chose to switch at the end of this year because I really wasn't connecting with it, as you've heard in previous podcast episode. So to have this podcast be two, this name of the podcast is now two months old, and to hit 1,000 downloads, I am so incredibly happy and grateful. And it was the best birthday gift I ever received because I found out literally on my birthday that I hit 1,000 downloads. So it has been great. And yeah, <laughs> so all I, all I have to say is that I am so happy and so grateful, and I thank you all. I appreciate the love and support, and I hope that you continue to support me in this way. So, you know, one way you can keep supporting is by sharing don't forget to share it with your family and your friends don't forget to subscribe or or follow the podcast and download the episodes download 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 is very important because that's going to get me to the 2000 mark and i can't wait to get there Um, i would also like to say thank you to the wisdom family for all their support and one of the reasons why i wanted to shout out wisdom app is because i started this last fall the wisdom app and I think I said in one of the wisdom apps uh, when someone asked me, you know, what do you feel about wisdom or if you like it or not? I, w- I was completely honest by saying that when I first, you know, did it, I didn't really want to 
because I had so much going on with the podcast and I also had the YouTube channel, the show that I have on YouTube channel, The Ambitious Obsession Show. And I had to plan the guests and I kept booking guests, but just not enough time and just not enough just COVID. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Like you have lockdowns here and there and it's a surprise and outbreaks here and there. And you just, it doesn't matter how safe you are. You know, you still have people catching this virus, even though a lot of people have been vaccinated. So it's just been all over the place. But when I first started the wisdom app, I really wasn't sure about it. And then once I started getting into it, I was like, oh, wow, I really like it. Even though I don't have a lot of episodes on the wisdom app, I, I really did want to shout out Wisdom App because the amount of support that I receive just from the talks that I do, which some of them are like an hour to two hours long, and I don't plan it that way, but that's kind of how it ends up. So if you have not tried the Wisdom App, definitely download it on your phone. Um, it's, it's really amazing. The people that are on there share their experiences, share their knowledge. They talk about really deep topics or just conversational topics. And it can be entertaining if you don't want to watch TV or Netflix and you just want to listen to someone talk, you can. And you can also join in by contributing to what they have to say by just participating in it. It's, it's actually really great. So I definitely wanted to shout them out because I feel like once once I started getting on that app, I found that, you know, a lot of people were listening more to this podcast, which is the Orchid Blooms podcast. Um, once I did that and <laughs> I really do feel like they that they contributed to that 1000 downloads and in such a, a record time. So I really do appreciate the the wisdom family. They contributed to pushing to a thousand downloads without me asking. I never went on there and asked them to listen to my podcast. I did say, you know, this is a topic that I happen to be talking about. And if you want to listen to the podcast, you can, but I've never pushed it. And so they still did it without me asking um, to support. And I really do appreciate that. So like I said, if you don't have the wisdom app, download it. You can share a talk on your own by yourself like you don't need permission from someone to tell you that you can't talk on the app i mean you just have to follow the guidelines and don't be nervous the wisdom family are, are really supportive and they are positive like that's the one thing i love about the app is that when people come on they're super respectful they're super caring they're super loving and and they're just they support the topic you know what i mean so i really i just they share a lot of wisdom is the point that I'm trying to say. And they will support your growth. So even if you're nervous, like don't be nervous. You can be shy if you want to because it's your first time, but you know, don't be shy. Um, if you're not ready, you can listen to other people's talks. And when you are confident that, you know, I just want to try it, then do it. Honestly, it's it's very rewarding. You might you will be pleasantly surprised by the people that might find what you're talking about to be very valuable to them and that is quite important so yeah <laughs> definitely wanted to shout them out and i think they even surprised me yes 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 they did they surprised me the night before my birthday um i guess they had sent me an email prior and i i, I saw it but i didn't really see it because i had so much to do it was just swamped my days were just completely booked out i was on the computer majority of the time and they sent me a reminder email and I read it finally because it popped up. It was like the top of my my email list. I opened it and it turns out they wanted me to claim my podcast on 
the wisdom app, which I was like, what? You know, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing right on a wisdom app for them to give that to me. But I was pleasantly surprised and I signed up for it. So now the podcast will also, the name of my podcast anyways, will be advertised on the wisdom app. And I really do appreciate that they supported me in that way. Um, so that's kind of what I really wanted to share. It's just been, like I said, in a very eventful week. I am tired, but I really wanted to end this podcast on a positive note for Black History Month. So yeah, um, I'm definitely going to keep the same similar um, line of episodes. They're not all connected, but I, I really wanted um, this episode to focus on black men in Canadian history. Last year, Black History Month, I had two episodes out, one about black women in Canadian history and black women in Jamaican history, because I am Jamaican. I was born there, born and bred. <laughs> so I, I decided to just kind of dedicate it to women last month. And this this month, I was supposed to do black men in Can- Canadian history and also black men in Jamaican history. But with, you know, when I was really considering it and looking at it, I thought I really wanted to dedicate one episode to slavery mentality. And I really wanted to dedicate the next episode to um, slave master mentality or master mentality is what they call it. They got rid of the slave part um, in a lot of write-ups. And so that kind of limited the amount of of podcast episode I could have this month. And then I did the Valentine's Day special um, episode, which I really wasn't sure about, but I did it anyways. And uh, and now it's like, you know what? It's the last episode. Like, give it to the black men in, in Canadian history. Why not? They're, they're good. But I was considering an episode on black men in Jamaican history, just to let you know. But my audience are mostly Canadian and a percentage in the states which i believe it was like 50 percent of my audience is canadian based on the analytics that i was looking up and i believe it's like 20 or maybe 15 percent are from the u.s and so i just figured well why not cater to my actual target market um since they're the ones that are really watching or listening to my my podcast episode and just dedicate it to black men in canadian history and hopefully next Black History Month, I will do one for Jamaicans <laughs> or black men in Jamaican history. Um, so, yeah. So let's get on the topic. Why don't we? So I'm going to basically start this this episode with the same kind of trend that I had with previous podcast Black History Month episodes, which is just kind of talking about the introduction of black people into the Canadian history. Um, so black people have lived in Canada since the beginning of the transatlantic settlement. Historically, very few arrived directly from Africa. The earliest arrival was um, or were enslaved people brought from New England or the West Indies. If, not, if y'all don't know, Caribbeans, <laughs> the Caribbean countries. Um, between 1763 and 1900, most black migrated to Canada were fleeing enslavement in the U.S. 
So you kind of see the the transition there. So black people did did live here prior to you know the United States, um, the pe- enslaved people from the United States coming to Canada. And usually, one of the reasons why I wanted to point that out is because when people talk about black people in Canada, they just automatically focus on the fact that you know most of the the people or black people in the states they went through the the railways and they they walked they came all the way to Canada and there was you know slave owners or people that really believed in the the movement of of abolishing slavery in the states that contributed put their money into it you know provided supplies to rescue some you know certain slaves and and bring them to Canada and hopefully you know they didn't get caught because some of the other slave owners didn't really want to lose their investment Uh, right so they had to now get on a horse get a gun and you know go chase them down to try to get them back and if they can't get them back they shoot and kill them because at this point like that's their property as you know that's what they thought um, people apparently are properties. So they always just kind of focused on that. They they never really talked about the the slaves that did come from New England. They didn't talk about the slaves that came from the West Indies um, prior to this movement for, from the U.S. Um, it's just been solely focused on that. So the first recorded black person to arrive in Canada was an African named Mathieu de Costa or Coste. Well, it is French. So I think it's like Mathieu de Coste. They do, they never pronounce the E at the end in the French language, uh, which I wouldn't have known until I started learning French. And I was like, why do you have to add the E then if he didn't pronounce it? But it's a French thing. So what? why not? Um, he arrived uh, in 1608 to serve as an interpreter. So 1608 is definitely before 1763 in the 1900s, where, like I said, um, black slaves were were migrating to Canada from the U.S. And that is, to me, uh, proof that that black people, you know, lived in Canada prior to the to the revolution of of you know, after the American Revolution, basically. The British gave passage to over 3,000 slaves and free blacks who had remained loyal to the crown. The black loyalists joined the many other United Empire uh, loyalists in settle settlements across the Maritimes province of Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and Prince Edward Island. In my mind, I honestly... <laughs> This is just my opinion. When I think about black history, I would have never thought that black people were in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and Prince Edward Island. Would have never thought of it. Every single time you see advertisement, because I haven't been out to New to Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, or Prince Edward Island. I've never been out there. So I cannot say that I've ever seen any black person there, but I would have never thought that's where they lived. And um, yeah, I just wanted to throw that timbit in because that, that kind of surprised me. Um, other black slaves joined their loyalist slave owners when they migrated to Canada. Now, I'm going to just do one more when it comes to slavery. Like I said, I really I really didn't want to end this podcast episode by focusing solely on you know slavery and slaves. We've dedicated many years and many Black History Months to that, and I think a lot of us already know our own history. Um, if you're black people and you know a lot of white people know our history too so 
I didn't really want to focus on it, but I definitely wanted to start this podcast episode by just talking about the first, you know, who was here first in Canada. Um, So another one that I have on the list is uh, Olivier Lejean. Um, is the first enslaved person to have been transported directly from Africa to Canada. So when the first black person to arrive in Canada, they were not fresh off the boat from Africa. They really weren't. They came from, like I mentioned before, New England, um, and some of them weren't even slaves. So, so Olivier now, he is the first black from africa to have been transported to canada so that is a big deal because he is listed as the first due to that he was brought to quebec in 1629 uh, which is definitely after the new england and west indies um, blacks came here and apparently he died a free man which is amazing so it's not like he came to canada or he was shipped to canada as a slave Uh, from what I understand, from what I read. But again, don't hold me to that because I did not focus too much on the research for him to be more in-depth. I just know that, you know, he died a free man. Or he could have come over as a slave, we never know, and he earned his freedom and, you know, died a free man. Who knows? I should have done more research on that. But these two men made Canadian history just by migrating to Canada and being the first while I was doing research online on black men that, you know, became tra- trailblazers in Canadian history, I couldn't find many, which is quite surprising. There were a lot of articles and blogs on black women trailblazers. I guess there was a lot more investment in that. So it took a while to complete this podcast episode, which is why it is so late. You, this episode should have been out yesterday, but it literally took me, you know, on top of my busy schedule two days to write a podcast episode which is quite normal but usually if I really focus and put my mind to it I could get a podcast episode written and done within a few hours but with this one that was not the case at all I went through how many links I even had to separate my research and I had to actually you know punch in something specific just to get the kind of information that I want and I was like wow when I was researching women in black history didn't matter if they were Jamaican women or Canadian women it was super easy it was like quick I didn't even have to invest that much time, but this one was very hard. So I just wanted to let you know, you need to appreciate this episode because it took a while. It took work. (laughs) Um, I really didn't want to focus on the slavery aspect, as I mentioned before. We live in a modern time slavery every day already. And a lot of people might not realize that they're, they're stuck in slavery in some form. Um, As I mentioned in previous podcast episodes, such as slave mentality and slave master mentality, I didn't want the last episode of the Black History Month to be, you know, gloom and doom (laughs) in any way. I wanted to focus on incredible things that black people have done, especially black men, in a time when perception of black people were limited. And I say limited because at this point we, we didn't, there was no opportunities. There was no opportunities we weren't even granted opportunities at all to to do anything so you know any little thing was a big deal Uh, we had to push and fight for every accomplishment with blood sweat and tears 
We really don't know what these people went through to accomplish what they have accomplished. And we really don't know, you know, if it's that hard. And I know a lot of people would argue and say, you know, they're black men. I'm sure it was a little bit more easier because they're men. No, actually, men have their own demons, (laughs) especially a black man. No one can walk in a black man's shoes and say that, oh, this was easy. Not one. So I know for a fact that blood, sweat and tears is a good definition of what they went through. So to continue the trend away from, away from, away from slavery, the next black male trailblazer is Mifflin Whitstar Gibson. He was a businessman, politician, and community leader who moved from San Francisco to Victoria, BC because of racial injustice in the United States. Gibbs was elected to Victoria City Council and used his public speaking and community organization abilities to encourage racial integration and fight against segregation in churches and theaters in Victoria. For his contribution as a politician and community leader in the Victoria community, Parks Canada recognized Gibbs as a person of national historic significance. Um, Gibbs was the first black person elected to public office in BC. He was definitely an accomplished person. That's all I got to say about that. So the next person is Lincoln Alexander. He was an Air Force veteran, lawyer, and politician. He was the first black member of parliament and the first black federal cabinet minister. He was appointed as Canada's lieutenant governor becoming the first visible minority to hold this position. In this position, his mandate focused on youth and education. For his contribution to Canada politics or Canadian politics, the right Honorable Lincoln Alexandra was appointed to the Order of Canada at the rank of a companion. So again, these people do exist in Canada and they have done a significant amount of work to provide representation and you know we have to definitely give them their flowers even though they're not here any longer we do need to take the time to respect that these black men really trailblazed a path for many other black men and future women to take part in such a grand gesture as you know politics and parliament and being a part of the federal government. Like that's a huge deal as far as I'm concerned. And the next person I have on the list is John Ware. John Ware was a legendary black cowboy. I had to include this guy in this podcast episode because I didn't really want to focus too much on politics. Um, I know that there's a lot of, like when I was doing the black women uh, podcast episode, especially in Canada, there was just so many people who were women that were just activists and they're doing this and they're doing that. But I really kind of wanted to kind of show the different shades of black people, black men. You know, a lot of people don't associate uh, a legendary black cowboy. I mean, that image is solely for for a white person. You've you've only seen in movies a white man in cowboy boots and cowboy hats and riding on a horse. You know what I mean? So it was really cool to find out that we do have an actual black cowboy that lived here in Canada. And I was like, I need to talk about this brother. So what he did was he helped build Alberta's ranching industry, which is pretty cool. He was amongst the first ranchers in Alberta. 
He arrived on a cattle drive from the United States and settled on a ranch in 1882. So I want you to remember that because for me, I'm like, what? <laughs> a black brother riding a horse? Holy. Okay. All right. So the next person on the list, which I don't know if he's impressive as the last one. Not, I don't think he's that out of the box. But his name is Daniel Willard uh, Moore known as Uncle Don, was a, a black Canadian civil rights activist who fought to change Canada's immigration laws. He was born in Barbados. And I wanted to kind of include him in this because some of these guys that, you know, really did the most in Canada were actually from the Caribbean. And I thought that was really cool. So I know I shouldn't be jumping back, but when I thought of john ware i thought of the tv the netflix show the harder they fall i think that's what it's called i watched it once and you know everyone just kind of liked it because it's like oh wow a, a black cowboy show that showed that black people did exist in that time and they had their cowboy boys and their cowboy hats and they shot their guns and they you know did theft and stuff like that and so that was kind of something that was really impressive about that show. And plus, they had like an all-star cast. So when I was reading up on John Ware, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> there, you know, it actually, there is a black cowboy in Canadian history, and that is cool. He came from the States. So guess what? They did exist. Not that I'm trying to take away from, you know, Donald, Uncle Don here, but I, I forgot to mention that before I went into talking about Uncle Don and I just had to bring it back because I was like, yes, the harder they fall. Yes. <laughs> um, so the next person on the list, and I really wanted to kind of focus on sports because no one, I mean, it's not like you, you go to high school in Canada and learn about these amazing black people in Canadian history. It's usually about Canadian history. Um, and, you know, they try not to, they try to gloss over the gore of the indigenous people and what happened to them. Um, so you really don't read the Canadian history books and, and learn about how black people contributed to the culture of Canada in any way. So this guy here named Willie O. Reed was the first black player in the NHL. Ha, huh, hockey player. You hear that? Hockey player. We had a first one back in the day. He was Canadian born. He was referred to as the Jackie Robinson of ice hockey for breaking the black color barrier. So that is a big deal because you know how Canadians are obsessed with their hockey, right? They're very obsessed with their hockey, but guess what? We, we had a black one. We did. In 2008, the NHL instituted an annual Willie O'Reed Community Hero Award in his honor. This was done to recognize the individual who has worked to make a positive impact in his community, culture, and society to make people better through hockey. And I really, I really like that about, about what they did. I appreciate the NHL for doing that. I mean, I don't watch TV anymore, so maybe they do talk about that during Black History Month on CBC, which is a, a Canadian broadcasting network, CTV or Global News. We're not really sure. Maybe CTV. I really don't know. Um, but we did have a black hockey player and he was he was a trailblazer. He really opened the door for black people to be involved in hockey. Keep in mind, there wasn't a lot of 
of black people after him in the NHL, but he definitely started that movement and put that representation and that presence that, hey, a black man can't skate on ice and he can also hit a puck and he can also be good at it. You know what I mean? So I really appreciated that. And I really wanted to kind of include him in this podcast episode, just talking about the different types of black men and what they've really done and contributed to the culture and really put themselves out there and show that, hey, you know, black people do live here, too. (laughs) It's not just the U.S. We got some we got some black men up here, too. Um, So the next person on my list. And for those of you who live in Ottawa, you have seen his his statue downtown near the national arts center where you can go and you watch plays or performances um oscar peterson and i think he's what the only black statue that we have here in ottawa i believe don't quote me on that i might be surprised i've lived here for years but it's not like i go around and go hmm that one looks black you know what i mean i'm really not about that life but i do remember oscar patterson i think i took a picture with him years ago and yeah I might decide to repost that on Instagram. Well, not my personal Instagram, but the business Instagram, the ambitious, the, the ambitious obs. If you're looking for that, um, you can. So I might decide to do that sometime this weekend. So Oscar Patterson is a legendary jazz pianist who won eight Grammys. He was one of the first black artists to gain fame in the white-dominated music industry of the 50s and was a spokesman for the minority rights that part i didn't know i just remembered that he was he was really popular for legendary jazz music that he played on his piano but i did not know he was a um, a spokesperson for minority rights at all so again i'm glad i did this research especially on black men so we're going to continue the trend of just kind of going through musicians and and you know how they've trailblazed um here in canada there's an artist called maestro who is a canadian rapper he dropped his debut album symphony in effect junos did not have a rap category at the time but they created one for him his album went certified platinum by a black canadian artist and he took home the first juno award for a rap recording so that is a big deal i didn't even know that when juno first came out they didn't have a rap category i was kind of surprised but to hear that they did and they created it just for him specifically was to me it's quite important that they did that and showcase that hey we do have a diverse not just you know white people we do have a diverse Um, culture here in Canada and we love the foods from different culture I eat you know Lebanese shawarma all the time I love their 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 salad tabbouli Um, and I do go to the Indian restaurant and I like their spicy beef and their their butter chicken so you know we all we all have been cultured in a sense that we have tried different foods we've gone to different festivals you know, we have tried to learn about different cultures within Canada, made friends with different cultures in Canada. I cannot say that, you know, there's there's one crew where it's just all black and all white. Yes, there are some, but I mean, majority of the time, a lot of people in the workplace, some people in schools, they're friends with, you know, Asian girls, Asian guys, especially the school that I went to. 
the school that I went to was very, very diverse. And yes, everyone had their own cliques, but we all knew each other and we also hung out. It didn't matter if you were Asian. It didn't matter if you were Indian. It didn't matter if you were Lebanese. Um, we all just kind of knew each other and we all hung out. So it's it's nice that I'm able to at least discuss it in a podcast episode. We're not separatists here. We're all, you know, even though we have our individual community, we're all still connected. And, you know, racism between cultures isn't really that big of a deal. Yes, you might hit one or two uh, once in a while, but we all kind of respect each other. And I I really do like that about Canada. So just remember that. (laughs) Um, So the next artist on my list that I wanted to add to this podcast episode is Cardell Official, is known as the hip hop ambassador. Cardinal, I'm not pronouncing that property, um, but don't judge me. I can't say that I've heard all his music. I might have heard maybe one, two, or three, um, but you know, I was more focused, especially as a teenager, on on um, U.S. kind of music, especially with hip hop and rap. That's all you saw on TV. You had the MTVs, um, all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, you know, we had that channel. What is it called? YTV? I don't know if any of you guys ever remembered that. And I think that was my first introduction to, like, British music and British bands and all that kind of stuff. So you had a a whole different flavor that you can touch upon through Canadian, you know, broadcasting. So Cardinal Fischel wasn't necessarily on the top of my list personally, but I'm sure that whoever's listening to this who knows this artist and loves them is going to have something to say about it. Like, how the hell do you not know who he is? Please. I'm not from Toronto. I'm from Ottawa. Like, chill. You know, just chill. Um, But if you know, if you ask me about another artist, I think my favorite female artist, and I believe he helped produce some of her, her music, which is Julie Black. Yeah, I'll know her. I'll know her. She's my girl. Um, He is one of the country's best producers due to his unique flavor of reggae and dancehall influenced hip hop. So, hey, I did my research. Don't judge me because I don't listen to him constantly. Everyone has their favorite artists. Get over it. Um, The next artist and the last artist that I want to be talking about um, for this podcast special is Drake. Drake even made this list. And I was like, okay, okay, Drake, go about go about your business, go on. He is a successful hip hop artist or rapper. I I personally think he's hip hop. He might have started out, you know, trying to be a rapper, but you know, he soon kind of broke away from that and started doing more hip swinging kind of music and funny and you know doing his little tang because you know at this point he's so popular he can make whatever and it would sell. It's ridiculous. He could, he could make a shit album and it would still sell. They would still play it in every clubs. You would still hear it when you go to the stores. You would still hear it blowing up in a car. So, I mean, on that spectrum, he is very, very successful uh, rapper. And I, I believe he's a, a bit more successful um, money-wise and popularity-wise than some of the, the other artists that I have mentioned in this podcast episode. So I think it's it's more hip-hop, is my opinion. He is the biggest music artist star in history for Canada. He has an enormous influence. Enormous. Like I said, the, sh- the album can be shit, and you would still buy it, and you would still listen to that music. It, you, you just can't help it. He, draw, he drew in 
440 million annually in tourism, Toronto tourism economy, which is a big deal. That equates to about 5% of the total tourism economy for the number one destination in Canada, which translates into local jobs, which is technically a, a big deal because if he's bringing in tourism here in Canada, especially Toronto, that does open doors for more jobs and for for more people to be employed so that to me he really deserved to be on this list because he is contributing to the canadian economy not just his own popularity or his music career but he's really giving back to canada it that's my own opinion and i really do appreciate that so i definitely had to throw him on here um so because of his influence of course mayor john troy presented drake with the key to the city so of course <laughs> no comments on that but i do appreciate that you know he did all that for for canada or toronto specifically now we're going to move past music i think i've given you know three was it four yeah i gave him like four musical genius because let's be real black people have innovative innovated music for so many years and everyone has taken a sample off of that and the success of certain you know popular artists that weren't really recognized um so i really wanted to dedicate this podcast episode to recognizing those artists throughout history that has really opened doors for black people to to walk in and to to do better i really do so the next person on the list is dudley law he was a former mechanic and welder. He was a black Canadian activist who rose to prominence during the 70s and the 80s as an outspoken critic of the Toronto police following the shooting of several black men. He orchestrated Rally March, um, crying no justice, no peace. He co-founded the Black Action Defense Committee, an organization with similar aims as today's Black Lives Matter. He called for actions, ultimately led to police reform and the creation of Ontario's Special Investigation Unit, an independent agency that probes situation involving, involving citizens and the police. He died in 2011 at the age of 76. Now, when I was doing uh, you know, the little research on, on Mr. Law here, I just kind of it kind of brought me back to Black Lives Matter and what was happening in the beginning of COVID, especially in the United States. And to see that, you know, Canada has kind of gone through their own aspect of that um, here. And, you know, it was so publicized, Black Lives Matter, what was happening in the U U.S., that I no one ever thought that that was that this has ever happened here in Canada. But, you know, it goes to show, like reading up on this, it goes to show that, whatever you know you see in the united states it, it might have started in canada first and just saying i'm putting it out there this dude was was legit so the last person i am going to talk about on the list because honestly two days of researching and looking for these people i was like damn someone if you're listening here in canada should literally do a blog just talking about black men in in black history and if you know it's the end of the month so if you just got this idea maybe you should wait till next black history month to drop it but you know create a blog where you just put all of this 
in writing so that people can just go and and just go to one place and find it it pops up on google and they can just read up on all of these people rather than having me a podcaster go clicking on how many links and then have to individually search just go hey black men and music or black men um cowboys um to see if you know what would pop up just just to see and be pleasantly surprised it'd be great it'd be great if you could if someone could do that if you got time on your hands why not yeah why not so like i said the last person on my list is charles roast roach charles roach i have no idea why my tongue is not working right now maybe it's because i'm really tired charles roach was born in trinidad and tobago after immigrating to canada he was a noted civil rights civil rights lawyer and activist he represented the black panthers and american conscientious objectors he often worked pro bono roach co-founded the black action defense committee with mr law as i mentioned before i just had to include roach into this one as well he is an artist and musician he was also a founding member of toronto's caravana festival this i did not know and i found this very interesting because i mean when you're doing the research on him caravana is not something that pops up at the top when you're reading about him so to kind of find out that he was you know a founding member of toronto toronto caravana which again brings in a lot of tourism here in, in canada or toronto um, it's a really big deal. I was like, Mr. Charles Roach, you've been busy, you know, like going to the States and, and fighting for Black Panthers and other organizations that, you know, pertain to civil rights and, and fighting for them pro bono, which pro bono means free. And then on top of that, come back to Canada and creating an entire community of Caravana Festival to celebrate, you know, Black history, especially in the West Indies, by bringing it to Canada. That's a huge deal, in my opinion. He also endeavored to change Canada's citizenship requirements. I'm like, when I said he was busy, people, he was busy, busy, and permitted people to, to swear an oath to Canada instead of the queen or swearing allegiance to the queen because i guess back in the day when you when you applied for your canadian citizenship you know you had to be swearing to the queen who was all the way over you know in the uk in her ivory tower palace making a shit ton of money off of caribbean countries and their own countries and other countries in europe and you know you're swearing to this person that you've never met that you might have seen on tv or maybe in a magazine or a newspaper but you know the, she doesn't come and visit canada she sends her kids or her grandkids so he endeavored to kind of change that he wanted people who came to canada to swear allegiance to canada or swear an oath to canada rather than the queen because at this point she's not here uh it makes sense anyways um, which was an act he believed represented the legacy of oppression. And I don't blame him because if you were to look through majority of the history of the world, England, especially, I think even my country, it's considered a Jamaican colony. Uh, sorry, not a Jamaican colony. It's considered a British colony. And there are so many other countries out there in the world that, you know, were were oppressed by by the the hierarchy or was it the myarchy i forgot what they call it but she she was up in everybody's business that's all i gotta say and you know took ownership of a lot of countries and yes 
can't say anything bad about the queen because, you know, maybe it wasn't her that did it. Maybe it was the firm um, that, you know, issued this and she just kind of went along with it and went out and smile and wave and just kind of supported what the English English um, governments or the people in the in the dark, the ones you don't know about, were orchestrating. But majority of the time, if you go through any of these these countries' histories where England or the British had dominance or just came into the country and just took over, it was it was a long legacy of oppression, a very, very long legacy of oppression. So that to me was a was a very big deal. And I really like that they kind of focused on that, you know, trying to break Canada away from from that legacy of oppression by changing the way the oath is being said when you become a citizen who has not been born here. Like to me, that is a big deal. Maybe not to you, but to me it is. So I had to stop doing research after this because I was like, if I continued trying to search and find more black men that really trailblazed here in Canada, I would be spending an entire week on trying to put this podcast episode together. And I kind of regret not doing it much earlier, like maybe in January and just kind of spending a few, like an hour a day, just kind of looking everything up and putting it together. Um, then maybe I wouldn't be so stressed <laughs> with everything that's going all all at once. You know the saying, when it rains, it pours. You don't just get one, you get 20. It's like bitch slap right across the face. Um, but I still wanted to make the time, lose some sleep to prepare this podcast episode to introduce it to you guys. So I am going to end and conclude that, or not that, but this episode of of black men in Canadian history on that note, Mr. Charles Roach. Thank you for supporting Orchid Bloom's podcast. Don't forget to click the follow button under Orchid Bloom's podcast on Apple, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, as well as Podbeam. Visit our social media pages for updates on our guests per week and our guests on the podcast, as well as a YouTube channel. Our social media pages are Facebook at The Ambitious Obsession, Instagram and Twitter at The Ambitious Ops. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast episode, you can follow me personally on Instagram and TikTok at Orchid Eye Brown if you feel like it. Don't forget to share your favorite podcast episode with your family and your friends. And I hope you have a splendid day. Happy Black History Month!